Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us. Today in the show, we're going to talk a little about wheat, fungicides, and insecticides. But you know what? Even if you don't raise wheat, a lot of these exact same fungicides and insecticides can be used in a wide variety of other crops. So I am certain you will get something out of the show today. So we'll talk about that as we go along. Again, wheat, fungicides, and insecticides. But really, I could just take the word wheat out and just say, hey, we're going to talk about fungicides and insecticides today. The crop prices are really good right now. We have a lot of potential to make money. We don't want, as farmers, diseases and insects to be destroying that. Now, we're not saying, oh, just go blanket spraying fungicide and insecticide several times in your crop. With, insect, with insects, you need to scout. With fungicides, you need to pay attention to, hey, what's your history? What are my odds it can pay? And all those kind of things. But we'll run through a lot of that today. If you've got a question for us or if you'd like to talk about our topic or anything else going on in your farm today, the number is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. Or you can send us an email, radio at agphd.com. Well, again, we'll get to fungicides and insecticides here in a little bit, but right now, let's get to the Ag PhD mailbag. It's now mailbag time with Brian and Darren. All right, I think I actually have two copies there for you, Brian, of that, but the first page has got some nice summaries to take a look at. So we are in the Ag PhD mailbag time here, and we got an email that came in from Tyler, I think about a week ago, and, and he had sent in some pictures of different nutrients across the farm, and I said, man, Tyler, it'd be sure nice if we had a summary page, and... He thought he sent the summary page, didn't. Uh, so he sent the summary page, Brian. So anyway, got 72 samples there. It's grid samples across one field, which you've got a picture of in the back. And he's just wondering, okay, what would you do to start correcting this field? What kinds of levels should I be targeting? What do you see that's that's running short I should be addressing? Okay, let me start with this. The field varies dramatically. I mean, soil type and nutrients. So there is a lot of variance here. And this is one of the things we talk about quite often on the show, variable rate fertility. And just being able to farm different areas of the field differently is fantastic. So for example, on his cation exchange capacity, it goes from 10, which we'd consider light ground, to 21, which we'd consider heavy ground. So if this is non-irrigated, and do you know, Darren, is it irrigated or not? doesn't look like a pivot there by the nope. picture that you've got. That's my guess. So I'm a, we're assuming this is non-irrigated. Well, here's my point. Think about a year like last year where we had almost no rain. We haven't had much rain in the last year and a half. So you say, boy, 10 CEC, that's really light ground. Am I really going to plant 30,000 plants per acre? No possible chance in the world would I be doing that. I'd be planting about 20,000, maybe 22,000 corn plants per acre. But on the 21 ground, 21 CEC, that's pretty good heavy soil. The other thing is we see variants, like I was saying, with a lot of different nutrients. Phosphorus, for example, as low as 23 parts per million, but as high as 181 parts per million. Well, if we're at 181 already on a year like this where phosphorus is crazy high priced, I'm probably saving the money. I'm going to invest the money in that ground that's only 23 on the phosphorus level. We also look, when we talk phosphorus, immediately I'm thinking about phosphorus to zinc and phosphorus to copper ratios. Let's put it this way. The highest his zinc ever gets is 8.5. Uh, the average is 
a mere 1.5 parts per million. And on copper, his average is 0.8 and the highest is 1.3. So what I'm trying to say here is a lot of times people want to focus on NP and K, and that's great. We want you to focus on NP and K. But don't forget about some of those micronutrients because with zinc and with copper, I can promise you both of those factors are leading into a little bit less yield. So in other words, if you get the zinc up and the copper up in ratio with the phosphorus, you should be in better shape. We usually talk 10 to 1 phosphorus to zinc and somewhere around, it doesn't have to be exactly this, but somewhere around 30 to 1 phosphorus to copper. All right, in addition to that, Let's see, I was just looking base saturation potassium. On average, it's four, which sounds good, but I'd really encourage you to look at the light soils. So any time you get to 10 or 11 or 12, something like that, if you're only at 4% base saturation K, on those light soils, just look at how many parts per million that is and then convert that to pounds per acre. What I'm trying to say here is you can still have what sounds good percentage-wise and you don't have enough to raise a fantastic crop. So in light soils, that's why we a lot of times, especially in areas where there's lots of rainfall, we talk about, hey, you might have to, with potassium, spoon feed a little bit, put a little bit out mid-season. Now, I don't encourage anybody to do that in heavy ground where you don't have a lot of rain. So in the upper Midwest here, you know, it's probably not going to pay. If I was in Alabama and I had a 5 CEC and I get 80 inches of rain or 50 or whatever, then yes, absolutely, you got to put some K out mid-season. All right, those are probably the biggest things that I see other than this. Sulfur is a chronic problem that shows up on almost every soil test that Darren and I look at anymore. Unless you have a poor drainage issue, and you got a thousand parts per million of sulfur. We very commonly see what we've got here, which is on average eight parts per million on sulfur. That's not going to cut it. So when you think about nitrogen, also please every single time think about sulfur. Seriously, for everybody out there, you know that nitrogen can leach away. The same thing can happen with sulfur. Sulfate leaches at about half the pace of nitrate, they say. So it's not going to leach quite as quickly, but nevertheless, every time you put out nitrogen, I'd at least be thinking, hey, what's my plan here on sulfur? I should probably try to somehow, some way, get some sulfur on soon, if not at the same time as the nitrogen. All right. Thank you very much. I uh, really appreciate that question. Thanks for resending the summary. Uh, I get this in from Tyler, just a, a comment on, we were talking about organic matter, and he said, this spring it's it's a challenge because there are material shortages on pesticides and higher prices, uh, like glyphosate being at least double in price. Unfortunately, we got dry soils out west and don't need tillage to dry them out even further. Uh, Scott says one thing that they, they've done is just avoid all this and use some perennial crops as perennial crops as part of their rotation to lessen their need for that. Yeah, a lot of different strategies around that, and it sure looks good this year, Scott. Listening to Ag PhD Radio, we'll be right back talking wheat fungicides and insecticides after this. What does it really mean to provide the best crop nutrition? With AgroLiquid, it means getting a one-of-a-kind approach, one that caters to your specific agronomic needs. You're getting experts who will work with you to create a program unique to your operation, all while accounting for the quality of your soil and the products you're already using. It's not just a product. It's peace of mind, knowing we've thought of everything. That's the AgroLiquid way. Apply less. Expect more. 
Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. This is Stormy Fields with your weather forecast. Today calls for a high of 68 degrees with sunny skies and not a cloud in sight. Planting windows can close fast, so when you need both speed and accuracy, choose John Deere. Our exact emerge planters and precision ag technologies give you precise seed placement for uniform emergence and the efficiency you need to gain ground. See what you have to gain at johndeere.com slash gain ground. Farmers everywhere are discovering the benefits of the Germinator closing system from Farm Shop MFG. Dick from Iowa says, In every case, our germination rate and stand was better than expected. When digging behind the planter, we always found the total destruction of the furrow sidewall and ideal seed-to-soil contact. See more farmer stories and order your germinators for spring delivery today at farmshopmfg.com. Are you worried about nitrogen loss this spring? Well, we asked retailers what they thought about Instinct Next-Gen Nitrogen Stabilizer from Corteva AgriScience. What they said was so inspiring, we got an actor to reenact it. Ahem. It's a great return on investment. A great return. Investment. Investment. Great return. All right, I think I'm ready to record. It's that simple. Instinct Next-Gen is a great return on investment because it protects your nitrogen. Learn more at protectnitrogen.com. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton Studio today. We're going to be talking about wheat, fungicides, and insecticides, but we'll also be taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. And you can always email us, radio at agphd.com. It's kind of fun to start the show off with a couple of those mailbag questions already. So if you've got a question for us and you say, man, I... I'm going to be planting in just a couple days, or I've got crop that's up and I'm going to need to do something about that. I better get after it. Well, if you need another opinion, radio at agphd.com is a good way to start that. All right, let's uh, head to the phone lines first, talking fungicides and insecticides. Now, I don't know. I almost thought this was a technical thing. We got Bruce Stewart with us with FMC. I thought, man, does Bruce want to talk about Stewart or is it Bruce Stewart? How are you doing, Bruce? Hey, I'm doing well. Thanks. Uh, so we're talking fungicides, insecticides today in wheat. What are you seeing down in Oklahoma right now? Is stuff greening back up? How do how do things look? Uh, you know, we've had some good rains here the last uh, oh, week to ten days, and and uh, things have really uh, greened up on the wheat and got it kind of kicked into gear. I mean, wheat is. Uh, a crop that can really uh, bounce back, and it was looking pretty, pretty rough. Looked like it was on the ropes there for a while, but it's uh, springing back and and uh, doing well right now. But really, no disease pressure here yet. I guess Oklahoma State and uh, Kansas State really hadn't seen or detected any rust here in the in the state so far. So I don't know how long that will keep up. Well, you know what? What a great spot to be in. We have we have no disease problems yet, or no big problems yet. With fungicides, we want to be out there in front of them anyway and try and uh, address things preventatively as much as we can. Uh, what are you seeing out there? What are you seeing with some of the differences? We're, we're hearing a lot of different products named, and this year, of course, with some of them being in tight supply, growers are looking for other options out there. What are some that we should be looking at, Bruce? 
Well, I mean, I think you you know the trizols and the strobilurns are always a, a good option. I I know here at FMC, you know, we have Top Guard and Top Guard EQ, and that's a, a trizol through trifall. And uh, we've been really looking and investigating the use of of uh, these fungicides at the green up stage. You know, I, I mentioned that we didn't really have any rust, but there are other diseases that can be out there this time of year uh, during this green up time like tan spot or powdery mildew or septoria and you know there's been a lot of traction of uh, here in Oklahoma and, and also Kansas State and a lot of work done with these green up applications and coming in and kind of knocking uh, those uh, that inoculum down with a, a green up fungicide application and then you know following it up with a a flag leaf application is is really a, a a great program to have and can really add a lot of yield to the to for that crop. Sure, sure. We've been looking at fungicides on on small grains on our farm as well. And one of the things that we've been doing a lot of is at the same time we're out scouting, mainly looking for bugs and trying to do like you were suggesting, getting out there at certain times that we know disease is likely to follow. So let's get ahead of it a little bit. Well, we're putting on insecticide and we're putting on fungicide at the same time. Are you seeing anything at all for bugs? Are you hearing anything early season or are there specific insects that you're going to be on the lookout for in Oklahoma? Uh, you know, you've got, uh, I guess it's been a great year for mites, you know, whether it's the uh, brown uh, wheat mite or the winter grain mite, those have really gotten a lot of attention, especially as dry as it has been, you know, it just hasn't been able to wash them off. The plant hasn't been able to grow as well. So a lot of treatments have been going out for mites, not really an insect, uh, but, you know, one that's caused a lot of concern to growers and then uh, also aphids i know aphids and alfalfa this is going to be a bumper year uh, for aphid uh, and some somewhat in in uh, wheat but probably the mites have been the biggest things for most of the growers in kansas and oklahoma right now hey bruce you caught my attention there you said it's going to be a bumper year for aphids and of course uh as a guy who's going to be seeding some alfalfa on my ground and also somebody who raises soybeans i i don't like aphids at all why do you say there are going to be so many aphids this year well i, I think you know just probably hadn't been as much rain as we've needed and you know they can really build up you know there's a lot of mortality i, I feel like from just a good hard driving rain, so I think they've been able to build up in alfalfa especially, and and uh, you know the the beneficials, the parasites, and lady beetles and green lacewings probably just haven't had an opportunity to build up uh, the way they should. I think the aphids can you know go through a life cycle a lot quicker than some of the beneficials early in the season, so they just get a kind of a jump ahead on on some of the beneficials out there. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's good to, to be ready and be prepared for these things. And the, and the nice thing is it's not super expensive to take care of either disease or insects. You just can't afford to let them take away a bunch of your yield because that is worth a lot of money this year. Uh, talking with Bruce Stewart with FMC down in Oklahoma. And Bruce, you know, part of the best news too, this is a little self-serving for me. We're always watching south of us what's happening for disease and we're worried about rust and other things blowing north. So glad to hear you guys are keeping it in check so far and look forward to talking to you again another time. 
All right. We're doing everything we can to keep you clean up there. Okay. <laughs> I, I appreciate that, Bruce. Thanks a lot. Have a great day. Uh, let's head, head over to Illinois. Uh, we got Jared on with us right now. Jared, how's it going? It's going well, Darren. How about yourself? Well, pretty good. You know, we were Brent and I were just talking about crop rotation here earlier, and it's like, man, wheat is going to make some money this year, and that's kind of a nice crop to have in the rotation. Is that a big part of your acreage? Uh, we plant, how do I describe it? About half of our bean acres each year are double crop bean acres. So okay. however that works out in, in uh, fractions. I apologize. I don't have that number. No, yet. no, no. That's okay. That's okay. So, so yeah, you're going wheat and then coming back with soybeans. And that, that adds a few challenges to it, too, as to, to what products you could be putting out on the wheat and, and what kind of things you're going to do. Do you just no-till right into that wheat stubble, or how do you handle it? It varies a little bit each year. Uh, we have to be mindful of the moisture content of the ground uh, and time of the year and such. Uh, if we're going to get planted very, fairly quickly, uh, we can rip things up and and uh, plant into that. But most of the time, we're no-tilling right into the wheat stubble. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay, so talk to me then about disease and insects in the wheat. Are there any things that are normally problems for you? And uh, obviously rotating to a soybean crop kind of helps. You're getting into something different afterwards that normally there isn't a lot of wheat uh, disease that you're going to be worried about getting in your beans. But still, you want to have the best wheat you can get. So what are you protecting against? Fusarium head scab is the biggest one that I have to uh, worry about. And uh, that... It, it comes up every year, it seems like, but uh, thanks to uh, listening to some smart guys uh, from out in South Dakota, we've learned some tricks, things like making sure we get the whole head covered with something. Uh, it goes a long way towards uh, fending that off. Oh, that's for sure. No no doubt about that. Yeah, the coverage, I, I don't know. I didn't understand how big a deal it was when I was younger, for sure. And just seeing, being out in lots of fields and seeing, wow, we covered one side of the head or we covered part of it. We just didn't get... Uh, the whole thing that you're right that's a great tip and then you know i look at some of the products now you just, you just can't leave an avenue for anything to get in is what is yeah what, yeah. what that boils down to well, and, and I, I can think back quite a few years now when Folicure was really our by far our best choice. Now we got lots of other products out there. Product selection ends up being a big deal too. Have you tried some of these new ones or, or you find have you already found a product that that's really working for you? Last year we used Miravis Ace and as it turned out we had a good supply of it left over from last year. So it's always nice that we're gonna be paying this year's wheat or getting this year's revenue on last year's input price. Absolutely. But, uh, but Miravis Ace has uh, turned out to be a great a great product for us, but it also, uh, uh, just thinking in terms of active ingredients, it works nice to rotate that adepidin in uh, when we're also using things like Revisol on our soybeans and uh, uh, other other corn products as well. Yeah, it makes for a nice mix when you've got wheat in the rotation to, to mix up modes of action and lots of different things you're doing. We're talking with Jared over in Illinois about wheat. Jared, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on, and good luck heading into the spring. Thank you, sir. Appreciate the phone call as well. You bet. We're talking about wheat fungicides and insecticides on today's program and taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD.
If you've ever wondered how the Farmall got its name, here's an abbreviated list of the jobs the Case IH Farmall can do. Baling, cutting hay, feeding, hauling, loading, pulling, raking, cleaning barn, mixing feed, fertilizing, mowing, chopping, seeding, clearing, irrigating, furrowing, cultivating, hitching, digging, emergency tow, harrowing, hoisting, leading parades, excavating, grading. <sighs> Let's make it simple. This tractor does it all. So no matter what you're doing, can do comes in red. Farmall. Learn more at caseih.com slash farmall. What do you think of when you hear Palmer Amaranth or Water Hemp? If you use fierce herbicide in your soybean fields, you don't have to think about them at all. With two effective modes of action and up to eight weeks of residual control, Fierce takes on even the toughest weeds like water hemp and Palmer Amaranth. Take control of your soybean fields and get incentives from Bayer Plus Rewards when you choose the power of Fierce Herbicide. Talk to your local retailer today to put Fierce to work in your fields. Always read and follow label directions. Come to the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event this summer. Here at Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support and encourage folks entering the ag industry. That's why we're devoting a full day, Saturday, June 25th, to the free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event. Though this day is geared towards high school and college students as well as young farmers, anyone with a desire to learn more about agronomy is more than welcome. Our hands-on sessions in the field will include a comprehensive guide to scouting, ways to improve soil and crop health, the role of natural microbes in farming, and how to best collect and manage on-farm data. Plus, we're giving away tens of thousands of dollars in scholarships to eligible attendees. So whether you're a college student or just want some good agronomy information, this is one event you won't want to miss. It's the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships Day, Saturday, June 25th on the Hefty Farm near Baltic, South Dakota. Learn more and register at agphd.com. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Protect your empire. Rule your fields with dual modes of action. Low use rate Authority Supreme Herbicide from FMC combines Group 14 and Group 15 modes of action for pre-plant and pre-emergence control of key broadleaf weeds and grasses. A preventative application keeps your fields clean when it matters most to crop productivity. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We're talking about wheat, fungicides, and insecticides. And it's uh, been a fun discussion already. We're talking to Bruce Stewart down in Oklahoma. We're talking to Jared, who farms over in Illinois. A couple different things there. Jared was talking about double crop. Don't get to do a lot of the, the double crop wheat followed by beans here, but uh, that that's kind of neat. And just thinking about what he was trying to protect against. We got our friend Lee Lubers here in South Dakota who does raise some wheat. And man, wheat's looking pretty good this year, Lee. Yeah, it's uh, dry out here, but uh, we're starting off good. You know, Jared mentioned his big number one concern was fusarium head scab. How many years out of 10 is that a challenge in your area? 10 out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, and it's going to be some years. It's a lot worse than others, I guess, is what I was getting at. But but the problem is you have to treat ahead of it to to try to protect. Have you been trying any of the new things, or have you found kind of a recipe that works for you for fungicides? Uh, we've been experimenting with some of the newer ones. Uh, uh, this year, we're probably going to be trialing three different ones for Fusarium head blight. Uh, even last year, we were so dry that our wheat leaves were actually curling as we're spraying for head scab, and we left a couple untreated checks, and it still paid. Wow. Wow. See, that's that's something that's really good, Lee, and a lot of guys don't do that, leave the untreated checks. And Brandon and I probably were giving our dad too much of a hard time. We didn't like his untreated checks because usually that meant it was Brandon and me out trying to clean them up if it was a weed control check or something like that. So uh, maybe, maybe we scared him off from leaving more checks. But I, I like that idea when, when you've got some that's, that's treated and some that's not so you can actually see if it's working. All right, well, okay, so trying three new products this year. Do you, When you do something something like that do you leave that product in the tank all alone or are you still doing your other mixes if you needed a foliar fertilizer or an insecticide or something with it uh we'll focus on just strictly the fungicide aspect and keep everything even uh well the only thing we'll probably run extra in the tank is an insecticide at that time so it'll be a common practice other than the three different brands of Fungicide. You know, with Lorsman off the market, it, it isn't really going to impact what we were doing when we have small grains because we're often using a pyrethroid just because it, it mixed a little better with some of these fungicides. What, what's been, do you have a go to insecticide or a go to mode of action that you like, or are you able to get other things to work with it better than we did? We can just use something pretty simple for an insecticide. Just all we need to do is do a flash kill. So there are several options that we get along well with for mixing. All right. So we're, we're early in the season now, and we were talking with Bruce Stewart down in Oklahoma, and he said, man, we like getting out there right after green up and try and protect against tan spot and anything else that might come in early. Um, when do you start your program? Are you starting that early? Uh, we will usually do it uh, on wheat, on soybean stubble with our uh, <clears throat> herbicide pass. Uh, we do have some wheat on wheat acres. We'll keep an eye on it. But right now we're pretty dry here, so I'm not really too worried about early disease pressure. Uh, twice we have actually gone out in the fall and actually treated uh, with fungicide before we even went to dormancy because we had tan spot actually showing up in the fall. Wow. Wow, yeah, that's not good. That, now, I know some guys say the seed treatment fungicide is enough against that. Do, I, you use seed treatment. What What did you see? Did you see a big difference with that, or, or did it, was it just so much pressure it couldn't help? Yeah, we, we make it a standard practice on, on our operation, but still it uh, seems like as we're pushing for higher yields, you know, as you're going for, you know, the positives, you're amplifying potential negatives. And I think with the extra growth and if we get a little bit longer growing season in the fall, uh, we can see diseases hit us way earlier than we ever did before. Yeah, that's a great tip to leave it on. I know uh, we talk a lot about if we're shooting for higher yields and higher profits, there is more risk that comes along. So protecting against things like diseases and insects is really, really critical. Uh, Lee, thank you so much. Really appreciate you sharing a little bit more. And hopefully uh, you guys catch some rain out there to, to get things moving along. Hey, anytime. 
Let's head down to Kansas, another area that oftentimes is asking for rain, but uh, depending on where you're at in Kansas, it might be okay. We got Dan with us right now. Dan, how's it going? Uh, it's going well. How are you today? Good, good. How are you guys sitting on moisture right now? Well, fairly hand to mouth. Um, we've we've got some decent subsoil moisture. Uh, it was an awfully awfully dry winter and, and an awfully dry last six or eight months. Uh, but the wheat's kind of hanging in there, and, and we've had a, a few shots of, of moisture uh, with a little bit of rain and a little bit of snow, just enough to uh, kind of perk things up and, and get you interested in getting out in the field. When you look at, at this year with some of the crops that, that are being raised in Kansas, it seems like there's a tremendous opportunity with almost every one of them. What are you seeing with wheat acres? What are, what are guys saying? Does the wheat look good right now? Uh, are people pretty pumped up heading into this spring? I, I definitely believe so. Uh, you know, with the price of wheat, especially right now, there's there's been an increased interest uh, in western Kansas wheat acres. Uh, some of those acres have really fallen by the wayside in the last several years with the, the profitability of row crops. Uh, but, uh, you know, with a local price around $9.50 uh, today, you know, guys are, are really interested in, in not only raising more wheat, but uh, in, in trying to push the envelope as far as yields. Yeah, every bushel is going to be worth quite a bit this year, and to lose any of that to insects or to disease is is not a good thing. We were just talking with Bruce Stewart down in Oklahoma, and he said, well, so far from what he's heard, no rust showing up in Oklahoma or Kansas so far. And I told him, hey, you take care of it down in Oklahoma, and everybody north of you isn't going to have to worry about this problem. Uh, are you always watching what's going on in Oklahoma just to, to see what they're sending us next, Dan? It, it generally is. You know, anything that shows up in Oklahoma is a kind of a precursor to what's going to happen uh, in between. And so we've kind of almost got two layers of protection. Uh, you know, if we see what's going on in Oklahoma, it's going to start through southern Kansas and end up here in northern Kansas. So, you know, if, if you hear about uh, a lot of disease pressure down there, generally it's going to make its way up here as well. Hey, one thing that Bruce did mention, though, that got me a little bit worried is he said, man, they are expecting a big year for aphids this year. They, they thought the conditions were just right, that that aphids could really explode on them. Is that a concern for you? And in which crops? I, I know with sorghum acres, uh, we're talking sugarcane aphids often, but uh, how about in wheat? Is, is aphid a big pest for you in wheat, too? You know, traditionally, it, 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 it is not. Um, usually... Um, we don't have much insect pressure. Our insect pressure is really in the fall, uh, and we can handle that pretty easily, you know, with seed treatments. Um, as you mentioned, with, with sorghum acres, uh, pretty traditional uh, sorghum-growing region that we're in here, you know, sugarcane aphid, uh, you know, in years past has been a problem. Um, but, uh, you know, just due to tolerant varieties and management, um, once again, to, for, from the folks south of us, ha have kept most of that at bay up in our area. All right, so this year we've got nitrogen prices uh, just crazy high right now. What are you seeing as guys uh, get out and do those laybys and and uh, try and get everything green and growing again this spring? Are you seeing guys cut back, or is everybody saying, "Nope, we're not cutting back a thing. We got to get after the yield here." Well, I, I think some of that's all over the board, and uh, just uh, was out on the sprayer this morning trying to finish up uh, the last uh, nitrogen application on this wheat and. Uh, you know, Dad and I have differing views on that. Dad wants to cut back just a little bit and try some different things. Uh, I'm I'm very much a stick with the program uh, type of guy. Uh, we know we know what works in the past, and and we've got a, a price to shoot for. 
So we need to uh, we need to match the yield to that. Yeah, it's going to be some interesting discussions, no doubt. I, I farm with my brother, so we get we get plenty of uh, discussions. We can call them along the way too about some of these things, and especially when the the economics are the way they are this year. Man, we got a great opportunity if we can just raise a good crop. Uh, we're talking with Dan down in Kansas right now. Dan, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. Good luck to you heading into the spring. Absolutely, always a pleasure. Thank you. All right, we get a lot of discussions when it comes to raising wheat, and today we're talking about fungicides and insecticides, among others. What are you doing on your farm? How are you handling disease and insects in your wheat? We'd love to hear from you today, and our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. As I mentioned before, we got a bunch of questions that have come into our radio mailbag box. That's radio at agphd.com. If you'd prefer to ask a question that way, too, that's just fine. We'll be right back after this short break. The value of your farm building is in its ability to protect what's stored inside. That's why Morton Buildings ensures that every machine storage and insulated workshop we build will provide superior strength and durability. As a 100% employee-owned company, we're all committed to being the industry leader with a focus on innovation, service, quality, and most importantly, customer satisfaction. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. Do you have crop failures due to flooding, drought, or another event? You may need to consider a better burndown regimen. Adding just two ounces of New Farm Panther SC to your tank mix not only provides faster results, it provides residual that lasts. You gain flexibility to keep your cropping options open. Ask your dealer for Panther SC and get Panther Power in your tank. Here at Farm Shop MFG, we keep hearing from the fans of our germinators. After seeing the results in his neighbor's fields, Deverne in Missouri fully outfitted his planters with the germinator closing wheels. Now he says, the proof is in the pudding. After seeing our harvest results, I'm an enthusiastic supporter of the Farm Shop MFG germinator closing wheel. See more of what our fans are saying and order today for spring delivery at farmshopmfg.com. Be sure to attend the 2022 Ag PhD Field Day. At this year's Ag PhD Field Day, we'll have way more equipment and equipment demonstrations than we've ever had before. We've got a lot of new technologies we'll put into our research plots on site, and we'll have great family entertainment, including a kids' area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and free food and drinks all throughout the day. Please go to agphd.com to learn more, and don't forget to join us on Thursday, July 28th for the free Ag PhD Field Day. Whether or not, relentless control is what you get with Anthem Max Herbicide from FMC. Protect your season from tough broadleaf weeds and grasses with dual modes of action and overlapping residuals that also minimize resistance. With an easy-to-tank mix formulation and wide application window, Anthem Max Herbicide is ready when you are. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. What do you think of when you hear Palmer Amaranth or Water Hemp? If you use fierce herbicide in your soybean fields, you don't have to think about them at all. With two effective modes of action and up to eight weeks of residual control, fierce takes on even the toughest weeds like Water Hemp and Palmer Amaranth. Take control of your soybean fields and get incentives from Bayer Plus Rewards when you choose the power of fierce herbicide. 
Talk to your local retailer today to put fears to work in your fields. Always read and follow label directions. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. I've been talking about wheat and fungicides and insecticides, but Adam down in Iowa's got a, a question on copper. Adam, how are you doing today? Good, good. I was going to apply some copper, but the question is how much. Um, do the math on what you need to get for your desired parts per million, and then <clears throat> I remember from my notes, Neil Kinsey was saying you got to put out about a four. 4x rate of what you think you need to get it to show up on a soil test. Oh, okay. So and what do you what are you shooting for for a parts per million, and uh, and why are you shooting for that particular parts per million? Just curious. Uh, shooting for six to hopefully get at least get five. Uh, the goal of five is to reduce SDS pressure. Ah, okay. To reduce SDS pressure. Yeah, I know Neil was talking about that, that if we had our copper levels up, he hasn't seen it. And I do know a couple of guys in Iowa that for one reason or another, and maybe it's manure, maybe it's something else, they've got high copper levels. And where they do, they haven't seen it. But I haven't I haven't actually seen anybody yet apply copper and get rid of an SDS problem. So it'll be interesting to see. You've had SDS in the oh. past? Yeah, it's pretty bad. I've seen symptoms of it uh third week of July before. Wow. And and what do you have right now for parts per million in the soil of copper? Uh, well, one half of the field, it's about 1.4 to 2. And the other side of the field is like 3 to 4. Oh, so okay. I'm going to just try one half and yeah, crank yeah. it up to 6 and see what happens. Absolutely. So take the part that's already 3 to 4. Is that the idea? Uh, no, I was going to I was gonna bring up the, the lower level oh. or the lower okay. area. Interesting. And do you notice any difference just at that three or four parts per million versus the one and a half to two? Do you notice differences in SDS severity? I think I have. Okay. I'm not sure if that's placebo or not. Yeah. I think so. <laughs> I, do, I, think I know I what have. you mean. Yep. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, Brian, you were going to add to that, I think. Well, I was just going to say, no, we haven't seen where you have to put on four times as much to get it to show up. Ours has just shown up. But let's keep in mind, we're running a different test than Neil does. Yeah. So. Well, I was thinking about this too, Brian, with the uh, with uh, copper. That isn't isn't that one too? And Adam, I guess you can jump in on this also. Isn't that one where he says, just put it out there. It's going to show up in the plant, but it's going to take a year to show up on the soil test. Well, a lot of things will take a little time to show up in the soil test. But in our experience, we've we've applied it one fall. It shows up the next fall. So that is a year anyway. Um but yeah, I, I mean, if let's say I'm at two and I, I only wanted to go to five, that's all I wanted to do, then I look at, okay, I got to increase the thing by three. And then I just simply take my parts per million times two to convert to pounds per acre. So in other words, that means I've got to increase three parts per million or six pounds per acre. So for six pounds, then I look at copper sulfate and what the percentage is. And off the top of my head, what is it, a third, 35%? Yeah, I think Something so, like yep. that. So, I mean, just for easy figuring, I would multiply that times three. So if you look at it that way, that's a lot of darn copper. That's 18 uh, pounds of copper sulfate that you're putting out there to get six pounds of actual copper, roughly. Okay. So that's what I would do. And then I would see 
after I, I it definitely after a year, and I might even give it two years because I just spent a bunch of money on copper sulfate and and I, I'm doing something that's a little bit different. So I, 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 I would try that rather than, oh, I didn't quite get to my level and now I'm going to throw a bunch more on the very next year. I'd make absolutely sure, did everything actually break down and, and how did that shake out? So that, that's kind of the way I'd look at it. And also, don't, don't quote me. I don't remember. What, what, is the per, what is the percentage on copper sulfate, Darren? Do you know? I didn't uh, pull that up, but I was thinking it was 35 yeah, that's copper. So mine's uh, twenty five. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, don't know if I got some weird stuff. No. Nope, no. Nope, no. Nope. There are different. There are different kinds. Nope, that's, you're probably that's, right. That's why I'm asking. So if that's the case, then you got to multiply that six times four, or put it another way for so people can follow me. We wanted to increase by six pounds to the acre. So you divide by the percent of active ingredient. If you have something that's 25%, six divided by 25% means you need 24 pounds of the copper sulfate material you're talking. You go apply that and you should be in pretty good shape. And the nice thing with copper sulfate, as long as your soil isn't eroding away, then that copper is going to stay there for a long, a long, long, long time. It's just like zinc. It's just like phosphorus where it barely moves in the soil. So it's going to attach itself to your soil and stay there for years to come, and then your crop gets to use it. All right. Oh. That's a lot more affordable than the 4X rate thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Now, here's one other thing. Let's keep in mind, we've got to keep phosphorus to copper that ratio has got to be fairly decent. What we found, what we found on our farm, when we started bumping our copper way up, because we go, oh, we're really short on copper, let's bump it way up. Well, then we got our copper levels really good, but in the meantime, we said, oh, our phosphorus levels are high. Let's cut back on phosphorus for a year. <laughs> so, so we got our phosphorus lower than it should have been, and our copper. To, right to where it should have been. Well, now all of a sudden our phosphorus to copper ratio was not right and our yields went down. So we want that phosphorus to copper ratio somewhere around 30 to 1. So I, I just kind of keep that in mind. If you're going to be at, say, 5 parts per million, you multiply that times 30, what is that? Well, that's 150 parts per million on phosphorus. And a lot of people say, oh, 50 is good. Well, I'll tell you right now, if you're at 50 on phosphorus and 5 on copper, your yield's going to suffer a little bit because that ratio is not right. Okay. All right. Thank you. You bet. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Bye. Hey, Brian, we got a question in Sandburg here, but this is a little different. This one comes from Mark down in Texas. Uh, he said, uh, I've got Sandburrs, and I've got a smaller hay field that's about 20 acres, and it's in south, actually in southeast Oklahoma. It's got a sandy loam soil type. Fertilized it last spring with a recommendation. Uh, here's the soil analysis. Uh, first cut was good, yielded 60 rolls. After the regrowth in July, I noticed sandbur was taking over. I'm inquiring about uh, products or processes to get rid of the sandbur, get my field healthy again. It's native grass with some areas of Bermuda. Uh, a few things I had, I guess I'll just start off, Mark. Uh, on the soil analysis, I'd love to have a complete analysis, but I do notice that your pH is low. It's like a 5.4. And I was looking in, I've got a book, it's called When Weeds Talk uh, by Jay McCammon. And in that book, there's a bunch of scientists that have put together data on what 
what weeds or where weeds grow. And sand burr, it says, grows more commonly in low calcium, low organic matter, low moisture soils. Sounds like it might fit where you're at. Uh, so getting that calcium up may be part of the solution. Now, part of that too, you're going to get better growth out of your hay when you've got your calcium levels up and your pH back to a more moderate level. So that's going to allow it to compete better against the sandbur. So that would be one thing that I would take a look at. Uh, and I think normally, I mean, depending on what kinds of grasses you have, uh, pastora I know is something people look at. Uh, outrider I've heard people look at uh, in perennial grasses. But you have to check with the specific types of grass that you have that those things are labeled but uh, that that would be uh, what he's saying is that yeah so in other words bermuda grass it's fine to use pastora but you can't use pastora on all different pasture grasses pastora does have pretty good activity on sandbur though that's what he's trying to say yeah i i i also think about plateau that's commonly used in pastures but let's keep in mind here sandbur is an annual weed that's the good news. So a lot of times you can kill these annual weeds in perennial crops like Bermuda grass, for example. We do have some options there, but I agree 100% with there. And the biggest thing is we've got to get that soil as healthy as possible. And if we could see what the rest of your soil test looks like, that would be great. So what we've got on here was pH, nitrogen, phosphorus and potassium and that was it yeah the potassium so, looks low to me too i don't know exactly how to read that low. but it's it, 38 it, parts per million and the soil test phosphorus was 54 parts per million so yeah 38 parts per million on k isn't going to cut it 380 for me is even low so I, I mean it all depends on how heavy this soil is which we don't really know there's no cec score or anything oh, i'll take that back uh does it no no there isn't I just saw ECCE. Sorry, that's having to do with the lime. Anyway, so no, we just like to see what the complete analysis of the soil is, and then we could give you a little better recommendation. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after this. Introducing Kyber Soybean Herbicide from Corteva AgriScience, the newest premium Group 15 pre-emergent solution. Kyber delivers three effective modes of action for long-lasting residual activity, meaning your fields won't just be clean, they'll be Kyber clean. And what is Kyber clean? Well, it's a little like... Nice fields! See the difference at kyberherbicide.com soy. That's K-Y-B-E-R herbicide.com soy. AgPhD has one mission, to give you the knowledge you need to make your farm more successful. That's why every issue of the Ag PhD Insider Magazine features crop fertility and pest management tips, insights into the world's highest yielding farmers, updates and results from our infield research trials, as well as the latest agronomy information from Brian and Darren Hefty. We put it all in one place so you can make your farm more productive and profitable. Subscribe to the Ag PhD Insider at agphdinsider.com. Do you have a history of white mold or SDS in your bean fields? While you can never predict when disease will occur, using the right seed treatments can reduce your risk of yield loss when it does. Did you know adding heads up to your seed treatment package brings a proven mode of action that primes your beans so they're ready to fight off disease all season long? Ask your seed dealer to apply heads up for protection against both white mold and sudden death syndrome this season. Learn more at headsupst.com. 
boost your productivity and profitability with Soil Warrior from environmental tillage systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and your yield potential in just one strip-till pass. Now that's ROI. Contact us today at SoilWarrior.com. Here at Farm Shop MFG, we keep hearing from folks who've tried our germinators. Yeah, I'm Wayne Bossman. I was very impressed how they came up quicker and they're just better stand and really looking forward to using them this year. See what others are saying at farmshopmfg.com. Your schedule can change by the minute, making it hard to stay on top of the latest agronomy information. But at Ag PhD, we have some good news for you. If you miss an episode of Ag PhD TV or radio, you can catch up at agphd.com. With years of valuable content and latest episodes available to stream for free, you can continue building your agronomic knowledge on any schedule. While you're there, don't forget to check for upcoming Ag PhD events and workshops. Watch, listen, and learn at agphd.com. Revitech fungicide from BASF has been specifically developed for the selective soybean grower who doesn't compromise. If you think good is good enough, if you're okay with just achieving rather than overachieving, if average is your goal, this is not the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide, brand new chemistry, three no excuse modes of action, zero modes of compromise. Sounds like the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide from BASF, that's smart. Always read and follow label directions. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here along with my brother Darren. We're live in the Morton studio just talking about fungicides and insecticides and wheat a little bit and then answering your calls and questions in the Ag PhD mailbag. Radio at agphd.com is our email address if you have a question for us or you can give us a call 844-44-AG-PHD. We just had one come in from Nathan and here was his question if I can get this pulled up. It was verdict versus acetochlor. Here it is. He says, what are your thoughts on verdict at a pint versus 2.5 pints of acetochlor down ahead of conventional corn? All right. So here's the whole thing. When we start talking about conventional corn, a lot of people start to panic because they go, oh no, I don't have Roundup as a rescue. Well, you know what? This year, it's probably not as big a deal because Roundup is high priced. But Here's our advice always. And I go back. So Darren and I have both been agronomists before we ever had Roundup corn. And I was an agronomist for several years. I'm not going to say many, but several years before Roundup corn even existed. Well, back then we didn't say non-GMO corn or any of this other stuff. We just said it was corn. Okay. So there was no conventional or anything, just corn. Well, I'll tell you this. If you didn't get the grass under control, then you were in big time trouble. Not only did you lose yield, I mean, right away, but you're also trying to rescue things like accent, which was okay if the grass was only an inch tall, but very seldom was the grass only an inch tall. It was usually several inches tall, and then the accent was questionable, plus it was a little hard on the corn. Now, today we have accent Q, so it's got a safener in there, so that's great. Much safer to the crop, but it's still expensive, just like it was back then. You're going to spend roughly, let's call it $15 plus an acre, so you don't really want to do that either. The problem with verdict, even at the high rate, so uh, let me step back for a second. We often talk about in corn or, well, in corn, 10 ounces of verdict. Okay, that's kind of a standard rate. And that's going to give you a couple ounces of sharpen and it's going to give you some outlook, but not a tremendously high rate. 
So I was just going to pull up here what the exact amount is. I, I always have to look this up too because I can't remember. We've got, by the way, if you ever attend one of our Ag PhD winter workshops at here at the Morton Center, right in our farm, it's on the Ag PhD field day site also, free workshops that we do in the middle of the winter. Uh, we put together a book for you. It's usually 150 pages or so of good agronomy stuff. And one of the charts that we always have in there is called our chemical component chart. And I use this all the time. I mean, almost every day I, I have this. So both Darren and I have copies of our book right on our desk here in the radio studio. Because when we get questions like this, then I can look it up because I don't remember exactly what it is. But verdict at 10 ounces gives you 8.6 ounces of outlook. Okay, so let's say you were going all the way to a pint of verdict. What are you going to get for a rate of outlook? Let's call it roughly 14 ounces. The full rate of outlook is 21 ounces. So is this a good plan in front of conventional corn? No, it's not. Don't do that. Now, if you want to use verdict, it's fine, but I'd only use it at 10 ounces, number one, and then I would spike in some more outlook or acetochlor to get yourself up to a full rate of the group 15. But my number one piece of advice in terms of herbicides, if you want to raise conventional corn, is always, always, always. So this is a not, it's a non-starter for me. If you say, well, I want to raise conventional corn without doing this, I tell you don't raise conventional corn. You have to go a full rate of a group 15 pre. Because if you don't, you're going to have a difficult time controlling all the grass out in your field. And grass is such a detriment to corn because corn is a grass crop. So it's totally different in soybeans. Broadleaves are the bigger problem in soybeans because soybeans are a broadleaf crop. So we have plenty of ways to kill grass, super cheap and easy, and it's no big deal in soybeans, but not in corn. So don't do the verdict. Definitely do the full rate of whatever acetochlor product you're going to use. Or if you want to use verdict, go with the 10 ounces and spike in a whole bunch of Outlook or whatever acetochlor, some group 15, to get you up to the full rate. That's what I would do. All right. Thanks for the question. We appreciate that. Uh, uh, here's another herbicide question. This one comes in from Brad. Uh, what do you see as the big difference between MSO and crop oil concentrate? Obviously, there's other veg oil and other things out there, but uh, products like Sharpen call specifically for MSO. What's the big difference? Okay. The MSO is going to be just a little more, it's going to give you a little more burn, a little more kick than the crop oil concentrate. It also costs just a little bit more money. Yeah, when so. it's cold, it seems like it gets in, well, it does get in just a little bit better into the plant. It penetrates a little better, so you get a little better weed control. And with a burn down product like Sharpen, that's what you want. You want to make sure you're getting maximum penetration into those weeds. Yep, so that's really the main thing. Okay, got this one from Katie, uh, who says, I'm looking at your herbicide application chart, and I'm wondering, when it comes to rain fast times, what does it mean if a herbicide has NA under the rain fast column? Like, for example, Garlon 4, but there are other products. Well, if there's NA, that means there is no minimum temperature that it says on the rain fast time. or sorry rain, rain fast, fast time i mean on the label so usually on the label it's going to tell you hey you have to be out there one hour in advance of rain or four hours or whatever yeah, well take take products like harness even you're looking at something that doesn't have burn down activity so you could literally put it out there in the rain if the rain wasn't carrying anything off your field yeah as long as you keep your spray pattern good but yes uh so it just depends on the the products. Some of them, there 
is no rain fast time because the label just doesn't specify it if it's a foliar product. And with other ones, it's there's no rain fast time because it doesn't matter. It's not going into the plant anyway. It's just going into the soil and it's a residual herbicide to Darren's point, like any of those group 15s. All right. Uh, uh, question here. I'm in no-till. I wasn't able to get all my liming done this fall and winter. I'm going to spread lime this week, up to a ton and a half. I was planning on putting four ounces of Metribuzin out there at planting ahead of my soybeans. I've been told that high pH and Metribuzin can cause damage. So in light of this recent lime application, should I cut the rate of Metribuzin? Should I just cut it out completely? Are you no. worried about any impacts with the, the lime, with any of the chemicals that I'm putting out? I'm not, because why did you lime? pH was low, and typically the pH doesn't go up immediately. It takes time for the pH to go up. So have we limed our soils and still used even at a higher rate than you're talking there on Metribuzin? You bet, and we've seen no problems. So I'm not that worried about it, but I, I always tell people, look, if, if it's something that's going to keep you up at night, you're spooked by it, then cut the rate, and then, then it's no big deal. So you can still get at least a little activity out of the Metribuzin, but you don't have as much risk. So, I mean, at two ounces, you have zero risk is is how I would, or almost zero risk. So if you want to do that on some, you sure could, but at least try some at the rate you're talking about. Because quite frankly, even at the rate you're talking about, that's, that's still pretty low rate. I'm not that worried. Or, or, or Look at the label once. You can go like three times that high on soybeans in a lot of cases. So to run with four ounces, I think you're going to be fine. All right. Thanks for the question. Got this one in from Craig. And Craig said, I'm going to try side dressing corn with nitrogen this year. I have a four row cultivator mounted to my tractor that I'm going to incorporate nitrogen with. And I normally get good rainfall. So my fear is that I could have some leaching or washing out before the corn can use it. My, my question is, should I use liquid or should I use dry urea? If I went dry, I could get sulfur-coated urea, which would be a little more slow release. What, what would you prefer? You kind of lost me there. You had a, a whole bunch of stuff. He's going he's gonna to cultivate in nitrogen on his corn. Field cultivate in? Or uh, he has a... Four-row cultivator. Oh, okay, okay. And he can now, put on either liquid or dry. And gotcha. He said he normally gets plenty of rainfall, so I know sometimes we worry about getting we enough do. rainfall to get it we working. Yep. He said, in fact, he could even get so much that he might possibly lose some. Uh, does that influence what you do on liquid or dry? Not much, no. We're, we're pretty much always going liquid. That's just our standard thing, but we aren't in this heavy rainfall area and we have heavy soils. So I don't think you're going to see a lot of difference in terms of this leaching thing, whether it's urea or it's 28%. So I don't, I don't know. I, I mean, I just, I'm still probably going to look at the cost, but then one of the bigger things is I look at how I can apply it and how easily I can apply it. And for us, it's a lot easier to go out there with liquid and uh, and get it put on that way mid-season. So that's the reason why we do the liquid, but you certainly can run dry if you would like to. All right, thanks for the question, Craig. We really appreciate that. Yeah, it's fun when you have new options out on the farm and, and thinking through them ahead of time is, is a really good game plan. Thanks for listening to our show today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.